I feel very honored to be here today. We have had higher vision in our hearts for many years. I remember the time that Jared came to me and talked to me and said, Dad, I feel like that perhaps the Lord is wanting me to to plant a church in the Castaic and Valencia area. So we, we watched with excitement uh, through the months as God has moved and worked. In fact, the first service that you had, we brought our church down along with some young people and we were here on Saturday and passed out the, the uh, door hangers and we were part of it. So we're, we're excited about what God's doing in your life and what God's doing in this church. Uh, today I'm going to to preach the first sermon of the series that Jared was, Jared was talking about. And uh, I was sharing with Jared about a sermon that I was, had just preached about on, on the life of uh, Jacob. And it was a sermon that I, that I entitled, The Power of a Godly Legacy. New Hope, I recently preached three sermons on the life of Jacob. And... Um, the first sermon, I focused on the, the time that he was running from his brother in and, and defeat and failure and despair and not knowing what to do. And in that moment, during the time that he went to sleep, he had a dream and he had an encounter with God. There God met with him and began to speak with him and began to declare to him I'm going to begin to I'm going to begin to establish his story capital H I S in the life and the events of your life. Amen. So I'm here to say if you're here and you've been running in defeat, God is ready to begin to establish his story. Amen. I think that's a different kind of a story. Amen. And uh so um, the, the next sermon that I preached, I preached about the time that he, had, he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And then I felt like the Lord wanted me to preach on another sermon. And I, I pray, in prayer, the Lord impressed upon me the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter and verse 21. That's the faith chapter of the Bible. And the power of a godly legacy began to stir in my spirit. So I'm going to share that with you today. I feel like God has some things to say to people here that can help you. So let's look at our, at, at our text in Hebrews eleven twenty one. said, By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. Now, this is a short verse, but it has sweeping implications for the power of a godly life. So I want to dissect this verse today and let it speak to us. The first part, when it says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying. Now, lest anyone get the impression that I think that I might be planning on dying, let me make it clear that I'm alive and I'm well and I'm planning on living. I told our people 
When God gets ready to take me, he can just come and take me. He doesn't have to allow cancer to take me. He can just come and take me. Amen. I believe that that's the way God works. The first point I want us to look at is that a godly legacy is established on a, on a life of faith. God began to establish his story in the life of Jacob. Up to this point, he was, he was, his story was that of a deceiver, a conniver, a manipulator. Have you met any people like that? Oh, that's all right. Don't raise your hand. <clears throat> but God had other plans. And I can say today that God has other plans for you. God had plans for adventure for Jacob as his and at his lowest point, God showed up. It tells us in Genesis 28, 11, and 12. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night and because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place and to, to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on earth and it topped, reached to heaven and there the angels of God were ascending and descending. You see, what, this was, hap what was happening here is that he had a heavenly visitation that resulted in an earthly transformation. Amen. How many could use that today? Thank God that he comes by in the midst of our own frustration and our failures and our defeat and all at once he shows up. We have a heavenly visitation. Now many of you here today, when you, you were at your lowest point in life and you came to higher vision and here you had an encounter with God and now he's writing his story in your life. Anybody here can raise your hand and say, hey, he's writing his story now. It's not my story anymore. It's not my story of defeat and despair, but thank God it's his story of what he's doing in the events of my life because he's working in my life. Amen. Jacob experienced a new awareness of God because in verse 16 of that chapter, it says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. When you met Jesus at a higher vision, your spirit was dead in trespasses and sins, and now it has come alive because you've come in contact with God. You're aware of your relationship with Him. Thank God for relationship with God as we walk with Him. It may, it may be well that for the first time that you become aware of the presence of God. And since that time, there's a divine thread that connects your life to heaven and to God and to the life of God. Amen. Now you walk a different pathway and you can sing that old song that probably none of you know. <laughs> because you're not old enough. But we used to sing this old song that went like this. It's different now since Jesus saved my soul. It's different now than by, by his blood I'm whole. I've got a new song to sing. Amen. Since Jesus came by, 
And ever since that day, your response to the presence of God has been like Jacob's. In verse 17, it says, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. All at once, you became aware of the fact that you were connected to heavenly things. Connected to godly things. All of those things that had controlled your life and directed your life in the past were no longer part of your life, but you were connected to heavenly things. Connected to godly things. The second point I want us to look at is a godly legacy is communicated. As we continue working our way through with our, ne- our text verse, let us look at that part that says, Jacob, referring he was the subject, blessed each of the sons of, J- of Joseph. Jacob had something to speak into his kids and his grandkids, even though his life was coming to an end. Now, I've gone through some challenges in the last few years. This is my fourth bout with cancer. My wife goes to Africa each year, so she wants me to come down and stay with, with Wayman and be here with Jared and so they can keep an eye on me. And uh, one day, Wayman and I were talking, and he, we were talking about legacy, and we were talking about some different things. And he asked me, he said, Dad, what are some of the things that you want to make sure that your grandkids know? And as a result, I created a file on my computer. Now, I know just enough on the computer to be dangerous. <clears throat> <clears throat> And I began to list the things that I wanted to make sure that I communicated to my grandkids. So when Jacob's life was coming to end, he was careful to speak a blessing over Joseph and his sons. And when it speaks of speaking a blessing, it's talking about invoking God's favor over a person. I spend time in prayer and I say, oh God, And I call their names and I say, Lord, I declare that the hand of God is upon them. I declare the favor of God is upon them. I declare the blessing of God is upon them. So guys, whether you know it or not, I'm really laying it on. Amen. Now, it's great when a father can lay up material inheritance for their children, but it's so important that that we leave a spiritual inheritance that's of such value. The greatest inheritance that you can ever leave your kids is to speak about God and the things of God. There are some things that each should desire to communicate. For Jacob, it was important for him to to, uh, speak a blessing over his kids. And it's up to us to make sure that we talk about God. We talk about relationship with Christ We talk about spending time reading the Bible. We talk about pursuing the will of God for their lives. We talk about having godly friends. We talk about spending time in prayer, spending time in the presence of the Lord. We talk about about the Lord's involvement in their lives and them being involved in church. The import of the verses that I'm getting ready to read to you talks about this. It says, in these words, in Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7, said, in these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. 
You need to underline those. You cannot communicate something that's not on the inside. You cannot communicate something that God is doing inside of you. So he's saying that it shall be in your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And he tells you how. We think sometimes when we, when we teach our children, we're going to have to find some curriculum somewhere and teach something specific. But he tells us how it's done. He said, you shall talk to them when you sit in your house. When you walk in the way, now in our family, one of the most special times is whenever we, when we have dinner and we talk about our highs and lows and we share with each other what about those different things. And when you lie down and when you rise up, that we share with our grandkids and that we pray and let them know what we're praying concerning the will of God for their lives. Are we praying about the will of God for their lives? I said for many years to my kids that I would rather them that they move away in the will of God than live next door out of the will of God. And they all moved away. <laughs> and now I'm having to practice what I preached. But I still believe it. And that we become intentional in preparing our children and our grandchildren in them finding the way to fulfill God's purpose in their lives. We wanted our kids to be involved in sports and school activities, but we also wanted them to be involved in the church and the church activities and have godly friends. My question to each of you is, are you, is that are you in contact with God do you have the relationship with God to the point that God speaks to you and God talks to you about your kids and about what's going on in their lives? I tell the men of our church, don't let, don't let the devil blindside you. You stay in contact with God. If something's going on in their lives, that God will speak to you and God will tell you and you'll know what's happening in their lives. The question I have for you is the same thing that Abraham was trusted with. Can God trust you to teach your kids like he did Abraham? Genesis 18 and 19 says, For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. The next thing I want us to look at is Jacob did not just speak words of blessing, but he spoke prophetic words into their lives. Further in the book of Genesis, you'll see in the 49th chapter and verse 1 that Jacob called his sons and said, gather together and I will tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Then he called each of their names and he declared what, was, what the future was going was for their lives. And then it says that he gathered his feet up in the bed and he died. So may it be with us that we have the faith to speak not what they are, but what they will become. Because sometimes they won't act in ways that you think they'll ever amount to anything. Now, I'm not calling any names back there. You know. 
But I'll tell you what we can do. We can declare the word of God over their lives and believe and know that God is going to use them and they're going to be something for God. I'll never forget when your pastor was only seven or eight years of age. His mother had begun a women's ago fellowship in northern Michigan, and he was sitting there in the, in the breakfast, and he was doing what a seven- and eight-year-old person would do, not paying any attention. <laughs> and all at once, the speaker stopped and whirled around to him and, and called him forward. I'll never forget what she spoke specifically to him. I would have never thought this at that time and some of the stuff that he did. <laughs> she said to him, said, you will have many doors open to you in life. And it's very important that you choose very carefully each door. And I watched through the years as he grew up. And as he was faced with different, different issues and I began to see God developing gifting and talent in his life and I could begin to see the hand of God upon him and I saw that he began to choose and make different decisions until it brought him to the point he chose to plant higher vision. So let us be so connected with God that we, we speak with authority from above and we bless our children and our grandchildren that, is, that it becomes something of value to us because we know we can speak because we've been in contact with God and God has been speaking to us. We never did put pressure on our kids to be preachers. I don't remember one time saying to them, now you're going to be a preacher just like me. But I'll tell you what we did do. We told them and we challenged them that you're going to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And I told them, you're going to do more than I have done. And I told them that you're going to do bigger things and greater things for God. And if you wonder about that, just look around. You see, we earn this opportunity by the life that we live and the example that we set. You've often heard this statement that godliness is often more caught than taught. And our children, and, and, and there's a twist to that that I ran on to that I want to share with you. It says our children will embrace the values we live for more than the values that we lip. The thing that will impact their lives is whenever you, they hear you praying and they hear you calling their name in prayer. Now, one of the things we found out about higher vision, and that is they always tell on Jared. And when Jared tells something about us, when we come, they come right straight to us and tell us about it. And so they told me that one time he was preaching, and he said, I was raised with Casper the ghost. <laughs> Some of you may have remembered when he said that. 
He said, when I would leave for school in the morning, I would hear Dad praying, and he'd be, he'd be saying, oh, 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 God. <laughs> said, I'd come home from school, and i hear Mother praying, and she'd be saying, oh, oh, oh God. Now, Jacob was not a perfect man. He had many flaws. God had to deal with the flaws in his, in his life. And, but God brought him to a place of spiritual maturity in which he could speak words that were powerful words and prophetic words. The third point I want us to look at is a godly legacy is rehearsed. So I'm going to need to get this staff. Isn't that neat? Chris made that for me. <clears throat> this part of the verse is very interesting. It says that Jacob worshiped leaning on the staff. Now, it could mean something sim- very simple. It could mean that he was weak and he needed to lean on the staff for strength to help him. That's a possible explanation, but after examining this historical significance, it indicates something deeper. In fact, the staff of a person of that day told the essence of the person's life. They would carve on the staff, the events of their lives. And when they would lean on the staff, they would be remembering the things that God had done in their lives. No doubt, Jacob had carved on his staff the significant events of his life And I'm not going to spend much time on this part. And every time he leaned on the staff, he could remember that the things that God had done for him, the times that God had come by, the times that God had spoken to him, the times that God had revealed himself to him. Please note the words in worship God leaning on his staff. They go together. Every time he leaned on the staff, he was reminded of the times that God had come by and especially that time when he was running from his brother and he could lean on the staff and remember how God came by and how he had an encounter with God. And then that time that he wrestled with the angel, and he limped away. And the verse in Genesis 32, 28 says, And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and and with man and have prevailed. He walked away with a man that had power with God. No doubt many here have events recorded on the staff of your mind. I want to lean on the staff of my mind today and recount to my kids and my grandkids God's dealing in my life. I'm not going to say these things because I'm patting myself on, on the back, but I want them to know how God dealt with me. When I was in the eighth grade, we lived between 
Porterville in Poplar, a little town. And behind the house was, a, was a, a, an old apartment. And uh, there was just a bunch of junk in there. But each day when I would come home from school, God would deal with my heart and I would make my way to a place that I could clean away the trash and spend time in the presence of God. And I did that day after day as God began to deal and continued to deal with my heart. One day I got lost in his presence. And the only steps to the, from the back of the house was into the kitchen. And when I came to myself and was aware of what was happening, I was speaking in my prayer language. And my mother said, son, what's happening? And I said, mother, God... Just call me to preach. When I was in high school, I would come home from high school many days. And fall across the bed. And cry out to God. Because God was dealing with my life. I want my kids, my grandkids to know God's dealings in my life. Not because I want to pat myself on the back, but I want them to know that God will deal with them. I want to lean on the staff of my mind. And remember some of the difficulties that he brought us through. We moved to Visalia in 1980 and we took a troubled church. We didn't realize how troubled it was. The former pastor had gone across town and taken 150 people and left 50 people. The people that remained were so bitter until eventually a lot of them left and we were left with a beautiful building with not much of a congregation and we had to survive financially. I had to feed my family and pay my rent and different things came up that we needed an answer and we needed, we needed uh, God to provide. I remember one time with Wayman when he was a junior And he came to us and he said, Mom, Dad, I need to order my, my ring and the paraphernalia for me to graduate. And so we told him, well, go ahead and order it. The next day I went to, I went to the church and was in the office and I was praying and I heard a knock, knock on the door and a lady that had leased our, our property and was having a Christian school And uh, she said, Pastor, God spoke to me this morning for me to give this to you. So she handed me a check and left. And, of course, I, as quick as I could, I saw it, looked at it. <laughs> and when I looked at it, it was exactly 
the amount of money that I needed for to give to Wayman to buy his ring. And I went home and gave it to my wife, and whenever, whenever Wayman came home, she went in and said, Here, Mr. Senior, buy your ring. We saw God. We were so concerned about, we've seen so many pastors' kids that grew up bitter against God and not wanting to have anything to do with God that we prayed, oh, Lord, don't let our kids be bitter against God. Lord, help our kids to want to know you and have a hunger for you and a desire for you because sometimes people do some pretty nasty things to you. And they see it. So in all of that situation, Jared was preaching at New Hope on Mother's Day before he started Higher Vision. And he was preaching, and all at once he stopped and he turned to his mother and he said, Mom, I never told you before, but I'm in the ministry today because of Visalia. Because I saw the hand of God and I saw time after time when the rent was due and someone would call up and say, I've got some tithes that I need to drop off. And it would be just the amount of money we needed to be able to pay what we needed. So let me say to you today, don't fail to rehearse God's dealing in your life. Don't fail to rehearse his story. It's not my story. It's his story. 